Book Two, Canto One, The Legend of Sir Guyon, or of Temperance. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Moira Fogarty. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book Two, The Legend of Sir Guyon, or of Temperance. Canto One. Guyon, by Archimage abused, the Red Cross Knight awaits, finds Mordant and Amavia slain, with pleasure's poisoned baits. That cunning architect of cankered guile, whom princes late displeasure left in bands, for falsed letters and suborned wile, soon as the Red Cross Knight he understands, to being departed out of Edenlands, to serve again his sovereign elfin queen, his arts he moves, and out of caitiff's hands, himself he frees by secret means unseen, his shackles empty left, himself escaped clean. And forth he fares, full of malicious mind, to work in mischief and avenging woe, wherever he that godly knight may find, his only heart-sore and his only foe. Sith Una now he Algates must forgo, whom his victorious hands did erst restore to native crown and kingdom late ago, where she enjoys sure peace for evermore, as weather-beaten ship arrived on happy shore. Him therefore now the object of his spite, and deadly feud he makes, him to offend, by forged treason or by open fight, he seeks of all his drift the aimed end. Thereto his subtle engines he does bend, his practic wit and his fair filed tongue, with thousand other slights, for well he kenned, his credit now in doubtful balance hung, for hardly could be hurt who was already stung. Still, as he went, he crafty stales did lay, with cunning trains him to entrap unwares, and privy spiels placed in all his way, to weet what course he takes and how he fares, to catch him at advantage in his snares. But now so wise and wary was the knight, by trial of his former harms and cares, that he descried and shunned still his slight, the fish that once was caught, new bait will hardly bite. Natheless the enchanter would not spare his pain, in hope to win occasion to his will, which when he long awaited had in vain, he changed his mind from one to other ill, for to all good he enemy was still. Upon the way him fortunate to meet, fair marching underneath a shady hill, a goodly knight, all armed in harness meet, that from his head no place appeared to his feet. His carriage was full comely and upright, his countenance demure and temperate, but yet so stern and terrible in sight, that cheered his friends and did his foes a mate. He was an elfin born of noble state, and mickle worship in his native land. Well could he tourney and enlists debate, and knighthood took of good Sir Huon's hand, when with King Oberon he came to Fairyland. 
Him also accompanied upon the way a comely palmer clad in black attire, of ripest years and hairs all hoary grey, that with a staff his feeble steps did stire, lest his long way his aged limbs should tire. And if by looks one may the mind a-read, he seemed to be a sage and sober sire, and ever with slow pace the knight did lead, who taught his trampling steed with equal steps to tread. Such when as Archimago them did view, he weened well to work some uncouth while, eftsoons untwisting his deceitful clue, he gan to weave a web of wicked guile, and with fair countenance and flattering style, to them approaching thus the knight bespake, Fair son of Mars, that seek with warlike spoil, and great achievements great yourself to make, vouchsafe to stay your steed for humble miser's sake. He stayed his steed for humble miser's sake, and bade tell on the tenor of his plaint, who feigning them in every limb to quake, through inward fear and seeming pale and faint, with piteous moan his piercing speech gan paint. Dear lady, how shall I declare thy case, whom late I left in languorous constraint? Would God thyself now present were in place, to tell this rueful tale, thy sight could win thee grace. Or rather would, O oh would it so had chanced, that you, most noble sir, had present been, when that lewd ribald with vile lust advanced, laid first his filthy hands on virgin clean, to spoil her dainty corpse so fair and sheen, as on the earth great mother of us all, with living eye more fair was never seen of chastity and honour virginal. Witness ye heavens, whom she in vain to help did call. How may it be, said then the knight half wroth, that knight should knighthood ever so have shent? None but that saw, quoth he, would ween for troth how shamefully that maid he did torment. Her looser golden locks he rudely rent, and drew her on the ground, and his sharp sword against her snowy breast he fiercely bent, and threatened death with many a bloody word. Tongue hates to tell the rest that I to see abhorred. Therewith a moved from his sober mood, and lives he yet, said he, that wrought this act, and done the heavens afford him vital food? He lives, quoth he, and boasteth of the fact, Nay yet hath any knight his courage cracked. Where may that treacher then, said he, be found, or by what means may I his footing tracked? That shall I show, said he, as sure as hound, the stricken deer doth challenge by the bleeding wound. He stayed not langer talk, but with fierce ire and zealous haste away is quickly gone, to seek that knight where him that crafty squire supposed to be, they do arrive anon, where sat a gentle lady all alone, with garments rent and hair dishevelled, wringing her hands and making piteous moan, her swollen eyes were much disfigured, and her fair face with tears was foully blubbered. The knight approaching nigh thus to her said, Fair lady, through foul sorrow ill bedight, 
great pity is to see you thus dismayed, and mar the blossom of your beauty bright, forthy appease your grief and heavy plight, and tell the cause of your conceived pain. For if he live that hath you done despite, he shall you do due recompense again, or else his wrong with greater puissance maintain. Which when she heard, as in despiteful wise, she wilfully her sorrow did augment, and offered hope of comfort did despise. Her golden locks most cruelly she rent, and scratched her face with ghastly dreariment. Nay would she speak, nay see, nay yet be seen, but hid her visage, and her head down bent, either for grievous shame, or for great teen, as if her heart with sorrow had transfixed been. Till her that squire bespaked, Madame, my leaf, for God's dear love be not so wilful bent, but do vouchsafe now to receive relief, the which good fortune doth to you present. For what boots it to weep and to why meant, when ill is chanced, but doth the ill increase, and the weak mind with double woe torment? When she her squire heard speak, she gan appease, her voluntary pain, and feel some secret ease. Eft soon, she said, Ah, gentle trusty squire, What comfort can I woeful wretch conceive? Or why should ever I henceforth desire To see fair heaven's face, and life not leave? Sith that false traitor did my honour reave. False traitor, certs, said the fairy knight, I read the man that ever would deceive a gentle lady, or her wrong through might. Death were too little pain for such a foul despite. But now, fair lady, comfort to you make, and read who hath ye wrong this shameful plight. That short revenge the man may overtake, where so he be, and soon upon him light. Certes, said she, I wot not how he hight, but under him a grey steed did he wield, whose sides were dappled circles were indite. Upright he rode, and in his silver shield he bore a bloody cross that quartered all the field. Now by my head, said Guyon, much I muse, how that same knight should do so foul amiss, or ever gentle damsel so abuse. For may I boldly say he surely is a right good knight, and true of word it is. I present was, and can it witness well, when arms he swore, and straight did enter Pris, the adventure of the errant damosel, in which he hath great glory won, as I hear tell. Natheless he shortly shall again be tried, and fairly quite him of the imputed blame, else be ye sure he dearly shall abide, or make you good amendment for the same. All wrongs have mends, but no amends of shame. Now, therefore, lady, rise out of your pain, and see the salving of your blotted name. Full loath she seemed thereto, but yet did feign, for she was inly glad her purpose so to gain. Her purpose was not such as she did feign, nay yet her person such as it was seen, but under simple show and semblant plain lurked false duessa, secretly unseen, as a chaste virgin that had wronged been. 
So had false Archimago her disguised, To cloak her guile with sorrow and sad teen, And eke himself had craftily devised To be her squire, and do her service well aguised. Her late forlorn and naked he had found, Where she did wander in waste wilderness, Lurking in rocks and caves far underground, And with green moss covering her nakedness, To hide her shame and loathly filthiness. Sith her Prince Arthur, of proud ornaments and borrowed beauty spoiled. Her, natheless, the enchanter finding fit for his intents, Did thus revest, and decked with due habiliments. For all he did was to deceive good knights, And draw them from pursuit of praise and fame, To slug in sloth and sensual delights, And end their days with irrenowned shame. And now exceeding grief him overcame, To see the red cross thus advanced high, Therefore this crafty engine did he frame, Against his praise to stir up enmity, Of such as virtues like mote unto him ally. So now he Guyon guides an uncouth way, Through woods and mountains, till they came at last, Into a pleasant dale that lowly lay, Betwixt two hills, whose high heads overplaced, The valley did with cool shade overcast. Through midst thereof a little river rolled, By which there sat a knight with helm unlaced, Himself refreshing with the liquid cold, After his travel long and labours manifold. "'Lo, yonder he!' cried Archimage aloud, "'That wrought the shameful fact which I did shew, and now he doth himself in secret shroud to fly the vengeance for his outrage due. But vain, for ye shall dearly do him rue. So God ye speed and send you good success, which we far off will here abide to view. So they him left, inflamed with wrathfulness, that straight against that night his spear he did address. Who, seeing him from far so fierce to prick, His warlike arms about him gan embrace, And in the rest his ready spear did stick. Though whenas he saw him towards pace, He gan rencounter him in equal race. They been met, both ready to a frap, When suddenly that warrior gan abase. His threatened spear, as if some new mishap, Had him betid, or hidden danger did entrap and cried, Mercy, Sir Knight, and mercy, Lord, for mine offence and heedless hardiment, that had almost committed crime abhorred, and with reproachful shame mine honour shent. Whilst cursed steel against that badge I bent, the sacred badge of my Redeemer's death, which on your shield is set for ornament. But his fierce foe his steed could stay uneath, who pricked with courage keen, did cruel battle breathe. But when he heard him speak, straightway he knew, his error and himself inclining said, Ah, dear Sir Guyon, well becometh you, but me behoveth rather to upbraid, whose hasty hand so far from reason strayed, that almost it did heinous violence on that fair image of that heavenly maid, that decks and arms your shield with fair defence, your courtesy takes on you another's due offence. 
So been they both at one, and done up rear their beavers bright, each other for to greet, goodly comportance each to other bear, and entertain themselves with courtesies meet. Then said the Red Cross Knight, Now mote I weet, Sir Guyon, why with so fierce salience, and fell intent, ye did at erst me meet? For sith I know your goodly governance, great cause I ween you guided, or some uncouth chance. Certes, said he, well mote I shame to tell, the fond enchison that me hither led. A false infamous fater late befell, me for to meet that seemed ill bestead, and plained of grievous outrage which he read. A knight had wrought against a lady gent, which to avenge he to this place me led, where you he made the mark of his intent, and now is fled. Foul shame him follow where he went. So can he turn his earnest unto game, through goodly handling and wise temperance, by this his aged guide in presence came, who soon as on that night his eye did glance, eft soons of him had perfect cognizance. Sith him in fairy court he late avised, and said, Fair son, God give you happy chance, and that dear cross upon your shield devised, wherewith above all knights ye goodly seem aguised. Joy you may have, and everlasting fame, of late most hard achievement by you done, for which enrolled is your glorious name, in heavenly registers above the sun, where you, a saint, with saints your seat have won. But wretched we, where ye have left your mark, must now anew begin, like race to run. God guide thee, Guyon, well to end thy wark, and to the wished haven bring thy weary bark. Palmer, him answered the Red Cross Knight, his be the praise that this achievement wrought, who made my hand the organ of his might, more than good will to me attribute not. For all I did, I did but as I ought. But you, fair sir, whose pageant next ensues, well mote ye thee, as well can wish your thought, that home ye may report thrice happy news, for well ye worthy been for worth and gentle thews. So courteous Congi, both did give and take, with right hands plighted pledges of good will. Then Guyon forward gan his voyage make, with his black palmer that him guided still. Still he him guided over dale and hill, and with his steady staff did point his way, his race with reason and with words his will, from foul intemperance he oft did stay and suffered not in wrath his hasty steps to stray. In this fair wise they travelled long affair, through many hard assays which did betide, of which he honour still away did bear, and spread his glory through all countries wide. At last, as chanced them by a forest side, to pass for succour from the scorching ray, they heard a rueful voice that dernly cried, with piercing shrieks and many a doleful lay, which to attend a while their forward steps they stay. But if that careless heavens, quoth she, despise the doom of just revenge, and take delight to see sad pageants of men's miseries, 
as bound by them to live in lives despite, yet can they not warn death from wretched white. Come then, come soon, come sweetest death to me, and take away this long-lent loathed light. Sharp be thy wounds, but sweet the medicines be, that long-captived souls from weary thraldom free. But thou, sweet babe, whom frowning froward fate hath made sad witness of thy father's fall, sith heaven thee deigns to hold in living state, long mayest thou live, and better thrive withal, than to thy luckless parents did befall. Live thou, and to thy mother dead attest, that clear she died from blemish criminal, thy little hands embrued in bleeding breast, lo I for pledges leave, so give me leave to rest. With that a deadly shriek she forth did throw, that through the wood re-echoed again, and after gave a groan so deep and low, that seemed her tender heart was rent in twain, or thrilled with point of through-piercing pain, as gentle hind, whose sides with cruel steel, through launched, forth her bleeding life does reign, whilst the sad pang approaching she does feel, brays out her latest breath, and up her eyes doth seal. Which when that warrior heard, dismounting straight, from his tall steed he rushed into the thick, and soon arrived where that sad portrait of death and dolor lay, half dead, half quick, in whose white alabaster breast did stick a cruel knife that made a grisly wound, from which forth gushed a stream of gore-blood thick, that all her goodly garments stained around, and into a deep sanguine dyed the grassy ground. Pitiful spectacle of deadly smart, beside a bubbling fountain low she lay, which she increased with her bleeding heart, and the clean waves with purple gore did ray. Alse in her lap a lovely babe did play, his cruel sport instead of sorrow due, for in her streaming blood did he embay, his little hands and tender joints imbrue, pitiful spectacle as ever I did view. Besides them both, upon the soiled grass, the dead corse of an armed knight was spread, whose armour all with blood besprinkled was. His ruddy lips did smile, and rosy red, did paint his cheerful cheeks yet being dead. Seemed to have been a goodly personage, now in his freshest flower of lusty head, fit to inflame fair lady with love's rage, but that fierce fate did crop the blossom of his age. Whom when the good Sir Guyon did behold, his heart gan wax as stark as marble stone, and his fresh blood did freeze with fearful cold, that all his senses seemed bereft at one. At last his mighty ghost gan deep to groan, as lion, grudging in his great disdain, mourns inwardly and makes to himself moan, till ruth and frail affection did constrain his stout courage to stoop and show his inward pain. Out of her gored wound the cruel steel he lightly snatched and did the floodgate stop with his fair garment, 
then gan softly feel her feeble pulse to prove if any drop of living blood yet in her veins did hop which when he felt to move he hoped fair to call back life to her forsaken shop so well did he her deadly wounds repair that at the last she gan to breathe out living air which he perceiving greatly gan rejoice and goodly counsel that for wounded heart is meetest medicine tempered with sweet voice i me dear lady which the image art of rueful pity and impatient smart what direful chance armed with avenging fate or cursed hand hath played this cruel part thus foul to hasten your untimely date speak o oh dear lady speak help never comes too late therewith her dim eyelids she up gan rear on which the dreary death did sit as sad as lump of lead and made dark clouds appear but when as him all in bright armour clad before her standing she espied had as one out of a deadly dream affright she weakly started yet she nothing drad straight down again herself in great despite she grovelling through to ground as hating life and light the gentle knight her soon with careful pain uplifted light and softly did uphold thrice he her reared and thrice she sunk again till he his arms about her sides gan fold and to her said yet if the stony cold have not all seized on your frozen heart let one word fall that may your grief unfold and tell the secret of your mortal smart he oft finds present help who does his grief impart then casting up a deadly look full low she sighed from bottom of her wounded breast and after many bitter throbs did throw with lips full pale and faltering tongue oppressed these words she breathed forth from riven chest leave ah leave off whatever white thou be to let a weary wretch from her due rest and trouble dying souls tranquillity take not away now got which none would give to me ah far be it said he dear dame from me to hinder soul from her desired rest or hold sad life in long captivity for all i seek is but to have redressed the bitter pangs that doth your heart infest tell then o lady tell what fatal prief hath with so huge misfortune you oppressed that i may cast to compass your relief or die with you in sorrow and partake your grief with feeble hands then stretched forth on high as heaven accusing guilty of her death and with dry drops congealed in her eye in these sad words she spent her utmost breath hear then o man the sorrows that uneath my tongue can tell so far all sense they pass lo this dead corpse that lies here underneath the gentlest knight that ever on green grass gay steed with spurs did prick the good sir mordant was was i the while that he is not so now my lord my love 
my dear lord my dear love so long as heaven's just with equal brow vouchsafed to behold us from above one day when him high courage did unmove as want ye knights to seek adventures wild he pricked forth his puissant force to prove me then he left and wombed of this child this luckless child whom thus ye see with blood defiled him fortuned hard fortune ye may guess to come where vile acrasia does one acrasia a false enchanteress that many errant knights hath foul fordone within a wandering island that doth run and stray in perilous gulf her dwelling is fair sir if ever there ye travel shun the cursed land where many wend amiss and know it by the name it height the bower of bliss her bliss is all in pleasure and delight wherewith she makes her lovers drunken mad and then with words and weeds of wondrous might on them she works her will to uses bad my leafless lord she thus beguiled had for he was flesh all flesh doth frailty breed whom when i heard to been so ill bestad weak wretch i wrapped myself in palmer's weed and cast to seek him forth through danger and great dread now had fair cynthia by even turns full measured three quarters of her year and thrice three times had filled her crooked horns when as my womb her burden would forbear and bade me call lucina to me near lucina came a man-child forth i brought the woods the nymphs the bowers my midwives were hard help at need so dear the babe i bought yet not too dear i deemed while so my dear i sought him so i sought and so at last i found where him that witch had thralled to her will in chains of lust and lewd desires abound and so transformed from his former skill that me he knew not neither his own ill till through wise handling and fair governance i him recured to a better will purged from drugs of foul intemperance then means i gan devise for his deliverance which when the vile enchanteress perceived how that my lord from her i would reprieve with cup thus charmed him parting she deceived sad verse give death to him that death does give and loss of love to her that loves to live so soon as bacchus with the nymph does link so parted we and on our journey drive till coming to this well he stooped to drink the charm fulfilled dead suddenly he down did sink which when i wretch not one word more she said but breaking off the end for want of breath and sliding soft as down to sleep her laid and ended all her woe in quiet death that seeing good sir guyon could uneath from tears abstain for grief his heart did great and from so heavy sight his head did wreath accusing fortune and too cruel fate which plunged had fair lady in so wretched state then turning to his palmer said old sire 
Behold the image of mortality, And feeble nature clothed with fleshly tire, When raging passion with fierce tyranny Robs reason of her due regality, And makes it servant to her basest part. The strong it weakens with infirmity, And with bold fury arms the weakest heart. The strong through pleasure soonest falls, The weak through smart. But temperance, said he, with golden squire, Betwixt them both can measure out a mean, Neither to melt in pleasure's hot desire, Nor fry in heartless grief and doleful teen. Thrice happy man, who fares them both atween, But sith this wretched woman, overcome of anguish, Rather than of crime, hath been, Monsieur her cause to her eternal doom, And in the mean vouchsafe her honourable tomb. Palmer, quoth he, death is an equal doom to good and bad, the common inn of rest. But after death the trial is to come, when best shall be to them that livered best. But both alike, when death hath both suppressed, religion's reverence sath burial teen, which whoso wants wants so much of his rest. For all so great shame after death I ween, As self to die and bad, unburied bad to been. So both agree their bodies to engrave, The great earth's womb they open to the sky, And with sad cypress seemly it embrace, Then covering with a clod their closed eye, They lay therein those courses tenderly, And bid them sleep in everlasting peace. But ere they did their utmost obsequy, for Gaian more affection to increase by intent a sacred vow, which none should e'er release. The dead knight's sword out of his sheath he drew, with which he cut a lock of all their hair, which meddling with their blood and earth he threw into the grave, and again devoutly swear, such and such evil God on Gaian rear. And worse and worse, young orphan, be thy pain, If I or thou due vengeance do forbear, Till guilty blood her guerdon doth do obtain. So shedding many tears, they close the earth again. End of Book Two, Canto One, The Legend of Sir Gaim.